This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I am here with Mike Hansen from Endorphins and a close friend of mine from the fitness industry, master of the Group X, Anne-Marie. How are you doing straight out of Baltimore? Doing well, Pete. Love being here with you. Good to, good to see you always. I'm sorry we missed each other at uh, in San Diego this past uh, this past March, but we'll, we'll, we'll re-up that uh, next time. So, Mike, why don't you start off, give us a little background. You're become the guru in the digital space, and I'm sure there's a tidal wave of activity coming your way. Most of the clients that we've had have always said, yeah, I'm doing digital. I'm going to get to it. You know, I need to do X, Y, Z first. And a lot of them have kind of missed the opportunity, but it still feels like, you know, maybe the second or third inning. So uh, this podcast is going to be uh, digital masterclass by uh, Raise Up Your Endorphins and uh, and Mike and Amory are going to take us through. So far away. Yeah, so uh, give you a little bit of background on myself. I've been in this industry close to 20 years. And so on the club side, so I have some pretty relevant uh, experience um, with what club operators are going through and have introduced media into this space probably over the last 10, 15 years, introduced gaming into this space. I think back in like 2005, pre-Nintendo Wii, so I got to ride that wave, uh, worked on some server-side streaming. And so naturally, the application of media and technology into fitness has been kind of in the core of, of my blood. And last year, we were engaged by a pretty large organization, MindBody, to work on a fitness streaming strategy. So we had the ability to work with about 30 to 40 brands that were already online pre-obviously COVID and learned a ton and built this huge knowledge bank as it related to what the market was doing. And we saw the early signs of a format shift taking place. And um, it was already growing at somewhat of a, like a triple-digit growth rate. And so going into March, we actually planned to pull back the uh, sheet on endorphins and let people know that what, uh, what endorphins was and, and COVID hit. And so at that time, we actually did the right thing and we just went to market and we helped everybody. Uh, we didn't take a dollar of any sort of payment. We just helped everybody get online. And the reason why is because endorphins is the first fitness streaming agency end to end. So when you go into market, you probably have eight to 10 different things you got to look at. It's pretty complex. And so we developed these blueprints and basically have helped people navigate how to get into the market, almost like their online architect. What do I do in social? What do I do with my paywall? How do I make money? What's the content? And we built this service foundation to help take all these brands from studios to health clubs, even down into fitness instructors online, because we see this omni-channel strategy playing out. And Anne-Marie, how did you, uh, how'd you get involved in this? You've been on the cutting edge of, of group X for a long time now. And I'm sure you've been dabbling in the digital space from a certification standpoint, as well as, you know, direct the consumer. So what's your view and are you finally relieved that you don't have to convince someone that this is a good idea? Yeah. It's funny because before it was, it was talking people into it. You know, we could shop at target or, you know, see a concert, but also listen to it on iTunes or shop online and I think that strategy, the omni-channel that Mike was talking about and having the virtual and the in-studio is just going to be the new expected experience, especially now. I think Crunch, I think Golds, and of course, you know, the 365,000 other apps out there that have video and audio, pretty top-tier instruction, you know, we're doing it and doing it right. And they've seen a lot of some elevated uh, um you know, success, but now we're seeing the scramble. We've all seen 
a lot of gyms doing the live streaming on social media and just getting things up and out there. But now they're realizing there needs to be a strategy. They need to get the blueprint and keep going in this, in this, you know, second revenue stream in the digital and virtual space, as well as in the retail space with the bricks and mortar. Yeah. So one of the things that, that I've noticed from, you know, right when, uh, people started sheltering in place, you know, the first week of online zoom productions was, I mean, it was like kindergarten class. I felt like, um, so I think people have kind of cleaned up their, you know, camera angles and how they're going to present it and, and setting up the e-commerce. So, so Mike, what's the first, you know, couple of things that you advise people to think about? Obviously everyone has a different client base and they don't want to necessarily go up there as almost like a generic, I mean, they want to try and keep the DNA of who they are and maybe some of that is they need equipment or they don't need equipment. So what are, I guess, like the first set of diagnoses you do to say, okay, I can help you get online, but you got to think about X, Y, Z before we just jump in there. Yeah. So I think um, a lot of people try to go in this market and they just look for our platform. I got to deliver content. We actually say, pause a second. What's your content strategy? What are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to be a brand extension and replicate your brand? Or are you an instructor trying to go from one to one to one to some to one to many? And once you level set on the content, the platform and tools are just the delivery mechanism to whatever that plan is. And so that's the biggest change that people have to think about. And it's like, uh, when it gets into the type of content, it's no different than music, right? Like, what's your signature genre? What's an unexploited genre that exists for you to, to tap into? Or are you the Kleenex of yoga? And does it make sense to just take that into market? And so once people level set there, then it's a lot easier to lay out what that product strategy looks like and the platform and tools they need to, number one, just get in the market. And then number two is obviously, how do I optimize that? And how do I go ahead and market that? And content, I kind of look at content and marketing like a flywheel. It just never ends. I create content, I market it. I create content, I market it. And if you create content and market it off the wrong sort of strategy up front, you potentially have a pretty pretty risky business. So, so Anne-Marie, you've uh, been training and, and certifying you know, instructors that have, rightfully so, big personalities, have their own following. Um, want to maybe create their own content, you know, within some boundaries of whatever discipline they're in. How do you view the digital as instructors going direct to think that they own the member versus the club or the studio saying, Hey, I own the member. You are my instructor. That's basically my ambassador, but I'm not allowing you to become your own ambassador. And then I'll welcome you back after you've basically shut me out of the relationships that I thought I owned. Sure. Yeah. That's, there's, there's a lot that the fit pro and even a wellness coach or even a nutritionist, it doesn't just have to be the group fitness instructor. Um, there's a way that they can, now they're realizing, wow, well, wait a minute, I can grow globally. I can grow exponentially virtually, but they need to know how to do it. And so many, at least the fit pros, have been doing it for free. They've been doing it uh, on social. Okay, yeah, then they went to Zoom and maybe asked people to, you know, uh, Venmo them. But there are platforms out there that can help white label. They can set up a paywall. They can brand and they can deliver this creative content that they have with different platforms. So yes, we believe the content is first, but you know, then what platform and then what is your strategy? What is your plan? Do you just want to be the talent 
for the club or be on a platform like Burn Along and just be one of 360, you know, 400 instructors on the Burn Along platform? Or do you want to kind of get into that influencer digital marketer, be a digital marketer with an online service uh, through fitness? And I think that's what Mike and I are helping not only clubs and studios try to figure out kind of the end to end of what their strategy is and how they're going to deliver it. But also for the fit pro, there could be some really uh, incredible influencer type of opportunities uh, with their current content, using the right platform and setting up the right strategy, paywall and packaging. Yeah. And then Mike, that's a great set of considerations you need to make. Mike, when you think about an instructor and basically saying you work for me, or I work for myself. And in this America of freedom that we're in, you know, don't tell me what I can and can't post online. Don't tell me that my iPhone 11 camera isn't good enough. How do you see the, do you see the instructor having more leverage than normal? Do you see what, let me just stop for a second. Long-term you still need sales, you need marketing, you need systems. And in a, in a 90-day race, anybody could be, could do this for 90 days and say, I'm going to crush online, but then it sets into, you know, a normalized business pattern. And that, that I think a lot of instructors might think that they could do that, but it's actually not that easy to do. So what's your advice and how do you see these relationships kind of evolving over time? Yeah, so it's funny you bring that up. So I actually see that the model is potentially going to change. I think the brands and the instructors need to work in a business model that actually brings them together versus being this sort of me or you sort of thing. And so that's actually the vision for our business is that we actually see a new model that we think we can bring to this market, no different than what you might see in other marketplaces where you have brands and instructors and music and choreography all working together. The instructor, actually, when you ask the consumer, is three times more important than the brand online. So the brands need to embrace the instructors. And the instructors traditionally went through the brands in order to build a clientele. And now digital potentially gives some of those people those options to go out and start digital and potentially come back if they they so want to. I see the two needing to work together, honestly. And I also see that you're still going to have people that are going to kind of buck the system and go digital on their own. And some are going to say, well, I'm going to just be a brand extension. And it's not about the instructor, but um, our view and how we look at this is where we very much follow like a connections as a strategy sort of approach. So it's less about the content, the connection you create. And there's a humanizing side to that connection between an instructor that a brand necessarily doesn't have unless they are the brand. And that's part of this whole fandom thing that's kind of creating and out there in this world. So I think the instructors have a great opportunity to rise. We say built for fitness creators for a very specific reason, because when you're built for a fitness creator, fitness creators created the studios, they created that. And we also think that the instructors, choreographers, we call them artists, will rise in this situation. But I think yeah, everybody can rise together. So when you take a look at the democratization, if you will, of fitness, I'm not, I don't have a great vocabulary, but I just came up with that. So just <laughs> let that set in for a second. Um, the one stat that I found very interesting out of the Peloton recent uh, public filings was 90% of all their workouts are out of the content library and only 10% are live, which made me think that if I'm an instructor, 
my concern was, oh my gosh, I got to do like two or three live classes a day. And that might become a full-time job, whether I'm on your endorphins platform or anywhere else. You know, you can't really take vacation if you're doing live classes 365 and that's what your members expect. So how do you view, do you view that 90-10 as that's maybe what the future is? I just got a soul cycle bike and I mean, to me, it's a live class, you know, so I'm not concerned about it. So what's your view on that as part of the business model? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of jobs to be done, right? So we've actually done um, the reason why people use streaming, and there's four core reasons why they use streaming, which I think drives that number. Mm-hmm. So number one is access, right? If you can't access the studio, you go online and, and you use it. Uh, schedule is another factor, right? If it's a six o'clock class, I get out at six, I can't make the schedule, hence why I go online. So that same principle applies to live, right? They just can't make the time. Uh, price is a factor, and then uh, gym intimidation is a factor. The reason I bring that up is because I think the on-demand fitting into somebody's schedule when they can access it when they want to is hence why you see that because people aren't building their schedules around a specific time anymore. It's just the nature of people and convenience being the driving factor. And Anne-Marie, for some of the relationships that you have with instructors, you know, give us a little lens into you know, opportunity and anxiety of, hey, I'm going online and I'm putting myself out there versus, you know, that's a great opportunity. I can make a lot of money at the same time. I'm basically building my own business and I've never really done that before. Right. Yeah. I I think there's two things going on. There's the instructors that are realizing they've never realized how beneficial it could be, how they can reach all these people online. They're so used to being on the studio floor, very visceral, you know, high-fiving, big sweaty room, music pumping, and now all of a sudden they were thrown, as you saw very quickly, in their basements in front of the couch, you know, poor, poorly lit, you know, giving their their um, classes. So I think they were realizing, and they learned pretty quickly, like, oh, let me get this camera lens. Wow, it's a wide-angle lens. I can move a little more within this space. What about this microphone? I'm going to set up some three-point lighting or get the diva ring. So then all of a sudden, they're just kind of becoming production specialists and realizing, wow, you know, this is something that, you know, I can elevate. And we, we talked about this and we've written about it. You know, you have this amazing content. You, you work so hard on this top tier rock star instruction. If you're going to do this online, you are going to have to eventually match it with an experiential factor that's not dark with poor audio. You, you do have to level up. So I think a lot of instructors have done that. Um, they're realizing that, yes, I can create this strategy, whether with my club or on my own. But as Mike said, a lot of these clubs and these studios are going to be putting in the cameras into the studios, you know, whether it's a do-it-yourself or with a production team um, or going to off-site production studios and filming. Um, and then those instructors that that kind of risen maybe a little bit to the top and have that, have that exertainment or that, you know, that... Um, verb in front of the camera can take it and continue it and offer it to the members either part of the membership or like like other clubs are doing as its own virtual membership so we're going to see a huge rise moving forward in in the virtual class uh, experience both live and video on demand and I think Mike hit the nail on the head I think about all these live webinars and seminars that are coming at me I, I don't join in live right now because I've got my own day planned. Even these fitness, I, I get 7,000 notifications that someone's going live. and But I know it'll be cataloged or it'll be uh, available for me on demand. 
when I want when I want to do it. And that right. is the beauty of it. Gotcha. So when you talk about the economics, you know, the rubber meets the road, Mike, to you on if I own a studio and I've got six instructors and I'm going to set up this digital platform for them to communicate with their members, you know, without giving us, you know, here's like what each of the 40 brands that you've worked with before, how do the economics work? And if you're talking about an agency, you're, you're basically, if I can make an analogy, you're like the William Morris or like CAA, you know, to an extent of like representing talent or advising talent. And how do you see that pie being split up fairly or unfairly? (laughs) Yeah, I I think um, I'll give you the analogy of, I think in the future, we might see a model similar in nature to how we look at record labels, right? You know, somebody funds it, somebody gets paid back. And I think if everybody partakes in that share, you're going to have more promotion, right? You're going to have more buy-in. And so that's yet to, that's a TBD, but I can tell you that's something that we're actively working on. So I can't give you those exact numbers yet, but I can tell you about like the economics of this business is that it's a pretty profitable business. You know, people all kind of account their P&Ls different, but 75, 80% margins. Um, the interesting thing that I kind of want to put out there is, you know, you've got your member base, you've got your email list, you have social following, website views, you can monetize all that. But when you look at people who do a business model where they're saying it's $19.99 normally, but I'll give it to my members for $9.99, 75% of the users of that platform are not members. It's actually completely top of funnel. Wow. So when you look at the economics, the economics open up something that people just discovered as white space. And it was one of the key findings we found, which was like, oh, I'm going to get online to connect with my member. And oh my gosh, I just discovered this entirely new business. And they just stated it because they're like, hey, I'm making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right? Yeah, that's a great point because you're not really cutting up. You're not, you're not decreasing the revenue. You're actually, it, this is all incremental revenue that you're sharing. So you might actually want to share more of it because it's actually gravy for me and for the instructor potentially. Yeah, exactly. So depending on the business model you deploy, it actually is, is additional revenue on top. I think every business nowadays needs an on-demand product of some nature. It's a low barrier to entry product. I go to the website and I actually discover and go, oh, I had no idea Core Power had this. I would rather try it. And if 35% of the market plus has intimidation factors, it's a great way to get a view into the brand, into the location. And so when people embrace this and start to think about the connections they create at the various touch points in the digital footprint, it actually creates a pretty compelling story so much to the point that I think somebody is going to grasp onto this. And I potentially could see the future fitness brand in the future start digital and then go physical. That's my view. Yeah. Got it. I just wanted to tune in on that a little bit. You know, you think about, I was reading about Peloton and they were saying like 80% of their, of their riders belong to a gym. You know, they're already converted. They're, they're, they're just, you know, preaching to the choir. You think about it, in the United States, almost what, 70 to 80% of people do not even go to a gym. They don't even mm-hmm. work out. But we keep on marketing to the gym goer, to the fitness fanatic. There is 80%, uh, you know, I don't know that exact number, but around 80% that do not walk into a gym. So this is an opportunity that gym intimidation that Mike had said is to really connect. And I have seen my friends that are maybe, you know, 
just don't feel fit or, or not in shape and to feel like, I don't know if I want to go to the gym. This is their kind of entree into discovering fitness, you know, having their hot tea next to them and doing a little yoga and starting to feel good about themselves that will then, you know, like Mike said, maybe start digital and then go retail. So this is a, this opportunity and if it's marketed and messaged right can get to that 70 80 percent that would never walk into a gym but get them fit and do something good for our planet with education fitness wellness and that's why our fitness industry should be uh deemed essential because the mental the physical the spiritual the soul the body i don't care who you are you know bodies are meant to move and if someone could through the digital space in, you know, influence and motivate and inspire somebody and they're healthy to fight off, you know, infectious disease, then we're doing something right. Yeah, I, t- I totally think that this pause in our economy is going to bring more people in. I was in a store the other day and all the bicycles are sold out. So as pissed as I was, I couldn't buy a bicycle. I'm like, all right, you know, my mission is to try and get capital into companies that are fighting obesity and loneliness. So when I go in and see an empty rack of bicycles, you know, I'm personally pissed. I'm like happy that people are out there moving. And when I, when somebody emails me and my mom says, Hey, I took this online class, which she would have never taken an online class. Like I would just get her like walk around the block or it's like her Mahjong game. And that's like her exercise for the day. Right. So, so good things are happening. One of the things, Mike, I want to ask you about, there was a, the guy that started Uber, I remember his name. Um, what's the guy's name? Travis, Travis. Yeah, Travis. Something. So he started up something called Cloud Kitchens, where basically all these restaurants can start cooking their food in one, basically like a shared kitchen. Yeah. Commissary. Commissary is the word I was looking for. Democratization and commissary and endorphins. That's what I want everyone to leave this podcast with. No. So he basically set up Cloud Kitchens to basically facilitate the delivery of branded foods where you don't really need a separate kitchen. I mean, the guy from Chili's can cook next to the guy from Olive Garden, can cook next to the Cheesecake Factory guy, almost like a top chef. You know, like we got all the stuff here, we'll just cook it up. So do you see over the next several years, maybe, you know, a $3 million multimedia studio and you basically have all the instructors from a 90 mile radius going there, almost like a hockey rink where people are like playing at like four o'clock in the morning, playing hockey. They're like, yeah, I got a four o'clock, 4 a.m. taping from five. And it happens to be, you know, the spin instructor at Pete's Fitness in Westbury. And then 5 a.m. is, you know, Anne-Marie from, you know, Rosalind who's coming in and doing her bar. And, and we're basically creating like this hub of production quality that's on par with anybody else. Do you see that as potentially how this, Morphs, or do you think people try and do it inside their club? Yeah, so right now um, you're, you're seeing people do it inside their club because, in essence, they own the set, right? And so you reduce the studio set cost that obviously comes with that. And we deploy a virtual producer model, so we actually deploy on-site versus the studio because when we went through and kind of had that conversation, I would say 80-plus percent of brands wanted to be local within their environment and their set and their instructors. There's this propensity to the instructor side of the equation, too. And so the associated cost of bringing some of those things in is just a little, a little high. One thing I did want to tell you as it related to the previous thing you kind of talked about is um, I think one thing that we saw, and we, if we've done some surveys during this time, is the number of workouts during 
COVID is actually higher than it was before when you look at it across all landscapes. Um, last year, we measured over 10 billion streams compared to clubs, which was 6.6 billion. And we did that through three independent surveys to figure that out. So we actually think, I call it the commerce of fitness. The workouts are higher. We've actually had more consumption of the product we sell. It's our job as an industry to figure out how to monetize it. And so this has actually been a good thing from a consumption of what we're actually trying to get consumers to do, whether it's in a club, at a park, at a hotel, online. Is that a survey that you've commissioned or is that a uh, something you've released or is that just for your internal purposes? Yeah, so we, we run independent consumer surveys because we do a lot of surveys within brands that we are commissioned on, but we also want to do it independently that are brand oriented. And so we, we've measured what percent of people pre-COVID were actually utilizing streaming or had an interest using. And so I can give you some insights there. We, our lowest number we came up with is 45%, and we've seen measurements as high as 56% consumers reporting using it. The interesting part is 30% wanted to. Right. And so you had this huge, huge metric, and that's through three different surveys. I think the other side of the equation is then you can go back and look to see how often they use it. And that's kind of some of the data we use in order to get into that into that number. That's great. So Anne Marie, in closing, what's your crystal ball here for the future of digital and fitness and where you see us in, you know, a year from now? Yeah, I I see I see people going back to the clubs. I see boutique studios maybe reworking their going from station to station in kind of small environment. I think maybe we'll go back to that or maybe you stay within your little box and you go from your bike to your bosu, you know, and back up. I'm not sure what that in-studio experience will be like. I again I come from the group fitness um end of it. I know Orange Theory now just is, has a digital offer. Um, they just, um, you know, um, sent out. So I, I think, yeah, the virtual, the digital is going to be the new expected experience. Everyone before, remember six months ago, we're like, oh, you know, outside the four walls, you know, engage with your members outside the four walls, have them engage with your brand and not going to another brand. I think 100% it's going to be in studio, it's going to be virtual. And I think as far as fitness overall, we're going to realize it's that mind-body connection that we've been preaching. I think the education is going to be out there more. We've seen the Zoom, we've seen the roundtables, we've seen the you know, pleas to the government about our industry and how vital it is. People are seeing a lot of mental, um, you know, uh, um, health going down during this time, although a lot of people are seeing the importance of working out. So I think there's a balance there. I'd like to see what that future brings, but it's exciting to see. I I can't wait to get back into the club. Um, and I do want to also see what my clubs and studios are going to be offering me for when I am at home or a workman's at the house or I'm traveling if that I can still interact with my favorite instructor and their brand. Got it. And Mike, since you've been in the fitness industry for a long time and we've been, you know, horse trading members for 20 years. And I used to say to a health club, uh, owner, how'd you do last month? And he would say, ah, I sold 110 memberships. And I said, well, how many did you lose? And he's like, oh, 107, you know, so I'm up three. And I'm like, well, damn, that's a lot of work for, you know, plus three. So how do you look at this new frontier that you're helping craft and, and architect and understanding, at least when you wake up in the morning saying, hey, I'm actually adding people and I'm not in a position where I'm losing them at the bottom of the funnel, but this is like a real growth category. Yeah, so I think the um, I think the industry as a whole just had to 
change this mind shift to being a location provider to being a service provider. And I think with that sort of lens, they're going to naturally have to embrace this sort of anytime, anywhere business model. The future for our industry as it relates to seeing the upside and the and getting to those market members where they might not necessarily come to your club is going to require for people to basically be able to touch and serve in a sort of like personalized wellness service in an anytime, anywhere model. And literally that means embracing the parks. That means embracing the digital. That means omni-channel strategy. If you don't have one, get one because it's about you connecting with the consumer because you're, com- you're competing with time, you know, at the end of the day too. And I think convenience is going to be a driving factor. And so convenience and community get a little closer together. But when you do that, you actually access a bigger pie versus the pie you've been fighting for. That's great. Well, Amory, it was great to see you again. Mike, good to meet you and good to talk to you. Hope to meet in person. Dave Gallen, always a pleasure internally. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so we'll put up the information on how to access uh, endorphins. And as I like to tell people, experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. So make sure you get an experienced expert and advisor to take you through a process and don't try and do it yourself. Uh, This is not something you do at Home Depot. So (laughs) do it right because it's out there. So great to see you guys. And uh, thanks for everything you guys are doing for the industry. Thank you. Go Halo. You're a dream architect now. Embrace (laughs) it. Halo. All right, guys. Thanks. See you. I'll talk to you soon. Later. Bye. Thanks. Give a shout out to my good friends at LassoGear.com. L-A-S-S-O-G-E-A-R.com. I want to give you 20% off using the code HALOTALKS on the best compression socks on the planet. I've been using them during the pandemic. My field goal kicking is further and stronger than it's ever been. Check out these socks. You'll love them. They got an L and an R to make it easy to put on each foot. Enjoy it. Trust me, you'll love them.